Welcome to the Retrospective Perspective with Jeremy Ariel Diaz. I want to thank you for tuning in and checking out what I have to say on pop culture and art and its debt to itself. Icelandic musician Björk has launched her new podcast, Sonic Symbolism, which will traverse and expound on each of her 10 studio albums throughout the years, beginning with 1993's debut and ending with her upcoming album, Fosora, set to be released on September 30th. Björk aims to, quote, capture moods, timbers, and tempos that were vibrating during each of these phases. Having released the first three episodes all at once, covering all of her 90s albums, here are five takeaways from what we've heard so far. Number one, Björk's solo career almost didn't happen. When she released her juvenile self-titled album in 1977, Björk explains how she was unhappy that everyone around her suddenly knew who she was as her introversion was suddenly challenged with this threat to her peace. So when offered to make a second album, she easily turned the offer down. Years later as an adult, after having fronted two different bands, Kukul and the Sugar Cubes, Björk wondered if solo albums were self-indulgent and dishonest. For example, they portray the vocalist as the main artist of a piece of work, when it's actually a collaborative effort. Eventually, she became a champion for the unsung melodies in her head and naturally went solo. Number two, expanded releases of her albums could be a thing. Sprinkled throughout the podcast are snippets of isolated instrument or vocal tracks from her albums. Many sound like alternate takes or demos. What fan wouldn't love to have super deluxe editions of her albums a la the Beatles anniversary box sets? Björk has been able to maintain a successful solo career for nearly 30 years with unlimited genius and adventuresome creativity. Just imagine everything that she's had to leave on the cutting room floor to fit her vision into hour-long albums. If there's appetite for new music and other content from the artist, it's safe to assume fans will be inspired to revisit her previous albums in a fresh and expanded way. Number three, Björk is a music historian. Her natural humility may prevent her from identifying as such, but having been creating music since the tender age of 12 has allowed her to be in tune with the various changes in music and their causes. For example, she gives a great breakdown of the darkness and grit of 80s underground music and the indie punk scene, and how it was reflected of society's need to recover in a quote-unquote post-post-post-World War II world. She views the 90s as a bridge to the 21st century and debut, reflects this era of freedom and escapism found specifically in London's music scene in the 90s. Another highlight is when she laughed at American critics of that time for calling all electronic music trip-hop and how their limited selection of electronic records in record shops and limited critics of electronic music in magazines is reflective of a fundamental misunderstanding of the genre on their part. Number four, Björk has always had a strong sense of self. Björk has a theory that a phase in one's life lasts roughly three years. Through all of the various phases in her life, she's grown a palpable sense of self that she's proud of today. 
For example, she explains how Icelandic people are in the quote-unquote second world, meaning they went through an industrial boom in the 20th century as opposed to earlier. Because of this, they tend to be more in touch with nature and their natural environment, which has played a huge part in a lot of Björk's music, most notably on 1997's Homogenic, where this is fully realized. Björk also emphasizes how much of an introvert she is, and how she had to challenge herself to be an extrovert for a period in time that made sense to her, one of her Scorpio qualities, she notes. As her star rose after her second album, and she began to be invited to fancy celebrity parties, she realized they just weren't for her, and that it would impede on her artistic process. She then escaped to Spain to work on her third album, where allowing herself to feel homesick centered her in her identity. Gotta love it. Number five, we have fun facts galore. The podcast also heavily reads as a bit of a memoir in conversation, since we learn a lot about the life events that led up to and influence particular albums. Because of that, we get insight into the beautifully brilliant and bizarre brain that has gifted us the soundtrack to our lives throughout the years. For example, most of her songs are 80 BPM because that's usually the pace that she walks in and most of her melodies come to her while walking. We also learn Isabel, a song off of the 1995 album that's universally lauded, Post, is an allegory for Björk leaving the punk scene and finding her footing on a more individual level. One of the more telling facts we learn is less fun and more glum. There were times where male sound engineers and other studio heads, who were present for a few moments during a song's production, would be credited as a producer on songs where Björk actually worked single-handedly. A reminder of the sexism that's deeply prevalent in the music industry, just like every other facet of life. A personal favorite anecdote is the story behind Anchor Song, and how it was inspired by a painting her grandmother made and that she admired as a child. Want to know how her grandmother responded? Listen to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out The Retrospective Perspective on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, as well as on the website, retrospectiveperspective.com, for all updates on new episodes and to join in on the conversation.